Okay, stop the tape, please. Hello and welcome to We Are Weezer Perfect Situations number 16. I'm Rachel and today I am here with Bill from the Great Albums Podcast. Hi, Bill. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for coming on. I'm super excited. Before we get going, let me tell you about We Are Weezer. We're a podcast about Weezer. I'm your host, Rachel, and we're kind of starting something new. Now we have two kinds of episodes. We have Perfect Situations, where we're going to do Weezer news, interview guests, um, listen to Weezer stories, tell you the history on a Weezer historical landmark. Let's call it a Weezmark, a historical Weezmark. I just came up with that. An album, we'll talk about a new album or whatever else is happening at the time. And we also have a song review episode, which is our standard, where we pick a Weezer song and we'll scour the internet to find details, fun facts, and lots more, something you've never heard before, hopefully, on your favorite Weezer song. And we'll give you the details, review it, and rate it using our special rating system. Super special, right, Bill? It is. I'm excited to use the system. Uh, (laughs) It is a unique way of organizing song um, ratings. You know, usually <laughs> most people are just like some stars or some numbers. You really, you you up the ante. There you go. <laughs> and made it more difficult in every way, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to figure out, you know, what the, I don't even know what the highest score is. I Or, you know, and everyone's like, what's the lowest one? I don't know. Three or four? We'll see. <laughs> So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with an interview with Bill. Welcome back. Why don't we start with you just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Bill Ambusta. I'm a podcaster and a musician who lives in New Jersey. We were we are doing this through the magic of the internet, um, <laughs> and uh, I've been a Weezer fan for probably twenty ish years or so. <laughs> um, and I've been doing a podcast for going on five years now. I think we're like four and a half years in. Wow. Yeah, uh, called The Great Albums, and our podcast is a show where uh, we take an album of music and talk about what makes it great. It's a very casual, fun podcast, um, and we kind of tie everything together in the conversation with a track-by-track review of of the albums we're talking about. So it's we get really, really deep into music, as you might imagine. Uh, every episode is at least like two hours long, usually. I think yes. uh, the episode that we recorded with you, Rachel, that has yet to come out, which I apologize because I told you that it was coming out like last week, but it's actually coming out in like two weeks. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, but the one we did with you, how long did we record for? Like 
almost three hours, I think. Yes, it was a long one. Yeah, I'm sure you'll cut it out a little bit. Yeah, we'll we'll see what it gets down to. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it that we were talking that long. It didn't seem like I I guess we were talking about stuff that is interesting to you. It just mm-hmm. flies by. Yeah, it does. Which is why this podcast just keeps I feel like it just keeps getting longer and longer. <laughs> because it's so fun just to talk and hear other people's stories and I don't know. It's fun. So what made you guys decide to start the Great Albums podcast? Uh, well, I love podcasts um, and I love music. What are some of your favorite podcasts, by the way? Um, probably the one that I've listened to every episode of is Doug Loves Movies. Okay. Because that one's just, it's just consistently fun to listen to. Um, there's always like funny people on it and it's different every week. And I, I like, it just doesn't really get boring. It's just, you know... It's easy to consume. I listen to that a lot. And then also probably close to all of them, but sometimes I miss a few episodes here and there. Um, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe is one of my favorite podcasts, um, which is science uh, podcast. And what else do I like? Because and it all kind of like rotates over the years, you know, what I what what I what I've enjoyed listening to, you know, it's like. I got into podcasts with like Kevin Smith and Nerdist and stuff like that and then branched out from comedy podcasts and started finding like audio drama podcasts and stuff like that. Um, and it, and all of a sudden it just became like, you know, a way of life. <laughs> right. I, I surprisingly don't listen to that many music podcasts. I do occasionally, but not that often despite how much I love music. I do listen to them, you know, like that's more of like I'll go and pick and choose what I want to listen to. Right. And yeah, so why did I start a podcast? Okay, uh, because um, because I love podcasts, I love music. Um, I had a failed podcast like way back in 2011 oh. that lasted like less than a dozen episodes because I just didn't know what I was doing and didn't have the, you know, like the infrastructure to keep it going. Mm-hmm. So then when when we started The Great Albums, I knew I wanted to talk about music and talking about albums because that's my favorite kind of, that's my favorite form of listening to music is by album. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it didn't seem like there was really much out there like like that. Like most music shows, I felt like at the time were like news or like interviews uh, with like the musicians themselves. There wasn't a lot of like kind of music appreciation stuff. So, um, or like they had like documentary stuff too. Um, but there wasn't a lot of just like appreciation. So we started, started doing that and we realized, you know, we could keep it consistent and going with just the two of us. Cause we had plenty of opinions on music, you know, didn't have to rely on having guests. Although, you know, yeah. fast forward to now and we have a guest on like every episode, which is just like always lovely to, to meet and talk to people and get their opinions on stuff. It adds a fresh view on a conversation that you have probably had a lot together. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, have you and Brian been friends for a million years or? Uh, roughly, like a little less than that. Um, like just like 999,000 or something uh-huh. like that. Like um, junior high? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, not quite that long. College, actually. We met, uh, we met my freshman year of college, which was 2002. And, you know, and we were both kind of, uh, we, we both kind of introduced music to each other and helped discover music together and learned how to play in bands together and stuff like that. So, you know, as far as like 
a a musical companion goes. Like Brian has always kind of been like a guy that's been there for many of the steps in my life with all that stuff. So we, we have, we definitely have a good rapport about talking about music. So we just knew that we could just do that. Yeah. Um, it has yeah. to be something that you can, that's easy and fun. And mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like that's your go-to. I love the show. Which one did I listen to recently? Pink Floyd. Okay. I, I bounce around. I get like in a zone, like I'll, I'll do true crime and then I'll get tired of being depressed. And so then I'll go to like <laughs> motivational and then I'll be like, okay, gurus need a break. And so then I'll go to like music um, mm-hmm. and I'll, you know, just find something new that I haven't listened to on yours or, I mean, podcasts have really come a long way since like even just a couple years. It, yeah, it's, it's insane. It, it's been such a fun evolution to like watch and, you know, now that I, cause I first started listening to podcasts in like 2011 and, you know, and it, it kind of became like almost like an identity for me as like a listener of podcasts and like learning to like, it, it's a, have you seen that meme where it's uh, a dude eating ice cream? Um, like sitting on the floor eating ice cream next to a poster, and in the poster is three girls eating ice cream and laughing. Aww. And like under and underneath it says what listening to a podcast feels like. Because <laughs> like he's so having true. like because he's like having the best time eating his ice cream, but you know it's like they're not actually there in the room with him. I'm like, yes, that's exactly it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like having friends that share the same view as you and. They're and they there. have no idea that you're friends. <laughs> yeah, but it's still cool. Or and they mm-hmm. they do appreciate you, I guess, in a yeah in a different way. Um, and I guess now with like Facebook and all the like social media, you can actually make friends uh, mm-hmm. with people that feel the same way. And also like weirdos, but you know, <laughs> yeah. mostly friends but, or mostly yeah, nice so- people. It's so funny. I had this conversation with another podcaster where we've never really, we've never met in real life, but we've had several conversations via email. It, you know, he's been a guest on our show. I've been a guest on his show. And it was just like, yeah, we could say we're friends, right? Even though we've never met in real life, you know, like he lives, you know, like halfway across the country. So, you know, but I was like, but I, I feel like I, we know each other and we listen to each other's podcasts too. So it's like, I know like your stories, you know, <laughs> and yeah. you know mine. So th- isn't that what being friends is? So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so nice though, that you like have like get to do it with your friend all the time. And mm-hmm. have you learned anything from podcasting over the years? A ton of things. Um, one, I really broadened my musical taste. I feel like, uh, you know, if you if you listen to the podcast in order, you can kind of hear me being, you know, a little little more skeptical of stuff outside of my wheelhouse in the beginning, and then, and, and there's a period like around like year two of the podcast where every episode was me being like, yeah, I've never really like dove into this artist before, but I'm really enjoying it, you know, in like every other episode. And now, you know, now I get to be one of those uh, snooty kind of music people who's like, oh, you don't know can, you know, like, <laughs> which is, you know, instrumental ger- music from Germany that's electronic, but from the 70s, you know, like, it's like this, you know, obscure, weird band that, you know, that you pull that one out of the 
out of, out of the out of the back pocket and and people know like what you're talking about and it's like oh we can have a conversation about this you know like oh you're fancy uh, okay yeah yeah you're a fancy music fan <laughs> so now I'm a little fancier as a music fan but I I still like to be you know hopefully not you know uh, too elitist or anything like that because you know we call ourselves the great albums but I've said it on the show too it's the only thing that that the only requirement to make an album great is that somebody loves it so much that they say that it's great. Yeah. It's very subjective. Yeah. Like there's, and people have emailed us being like, how could you talk about this album or that album? I'm like, Hey man, you know, it's like felt like the right one to talk about that week and with that (laughs) guest, you know, and, and it was something different than what we would normally do. Cause I, you know, there's probably a contingent of our listeners that wish that all we did was talk about Weezer and indie rock. (laughs) I mean, I like that you guys have a variety and Mm -hmm. sure, I mean, it did seem like you were going down a path, but that would definitely get boring for you too at some point. Like, I don't know, that's part of the fun is learning more about it. I think for me, like doing this show, I have totally learned more and have come to appreciate Weezer. So I can Mm -hmm. only imagine to get your eyes opened to like a, a new band that you've like never even mm-hmm. heard of and like supposedly it's great have you ever like decided to go with it and you're like this is not great or do you usually <laughs> like go oh this is great I do love this um there's definitely been some stuff that I am not enjoying as much as other stuff but like I said it's I, I'm not like I'm not the one saying whether or not it's great you know and sometimes people have have been like, well, why did you talk about that if you didn't love it? And it's like, well, our guests loved it and we wanted to talk about it. It was something interesting to talk about at the very least. Right. And so, you know, there was nothing that I outright despised. You know, there was nothing like that. You know, and there are a few albums that we'll probably never do that people have requested. Ooh, um, like what? Uh, uh, I'm not sure if I should say, but I- I'm pretty sure that we're never going to do Death Cab for Cutie. <laughs> Um, neither Brian nor I really have any positive feelings about them. (laughs) Um, we don't really have particularly negative feelings. But you're just like, they're not great. Nothing. They're never going to be great. Well, it's like, I just don't feel like I really have anything to say about them, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and if we did have a guest come on, I'd have to be like, okay, you really need to steer steer this conversation because I can't, you know, because I can't tell you what is supposed to be the thing that I'm getting out of this music, you know? Most of the time, it's pretty obvious for other stuff that we have covered. It's like, okay, here are some things that I find interesting and can lead us down paths. And I've had disagreements with guests, not like fights, but, you know, we just disagree about like interpretations of lyrics or whether or not, you know, it's like sometimes my least favorite song is their favorite song on the album, you know? And I'm sure you've had the same thing. Like, because have you done a song on... We are Weezer, where you were like, I only, you know, it's a Weezer song, so I'm going to cover it. But you didn't necessarily enjoy it. But the but the the guest was like, no, I really want to talk about that one. Uh, I don't know that I've, we have done, so we, not a guest per se, but we have done songs that I would never, that we've solely done for, you know, just to keep things interesting. And mm-hmm. for example, Smart Girls. Mm-hmm. Never would have picked it. It's to me, it's totally random. 
didn't particularly like it at all. But after, and you know, would you even think about it? I mean, it's not really, it's not like, it doesn't really stand out, but once you do dive in kind of, it's fun and uh, you Mm -hmm. appreciate something about it that maybe you didn't before. Yeah. I've definitely walked away from some stuff being like, I appreciate this way more than I did going in and getting someone else's perspective helps with that a lot of times. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, that's what you enjoy about this. You're like, I can get, I can see that now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like this, this is starting to make sense of why someone might enjoy it. So one thing that's changed for me over the years is, yeah, like uh, on the podcast, I've always been very positive about everything and try not to be too critical. Right. But in, in my private life, I'm definitely like, oh, that, 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 that stuff sucks. You know? <laughs> but I've gotten a little bit more to the point of like, you know, it's like it's not for me. Right. You know? and, and that actually will probably like go into our Weezer conversation because Weezer is the ultimate band of like having different periods in their career that some people enjoy and others don't, but a different set of people do enjoy. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Some people's favorite albums is gr- album is green. Yeah, I know, which you know boggles my mind. But and it's not a bad album. Like, and one of the things that I enjoy about Weezer and why I keep going back is because they always have some like something that's good on each album. Yeah, you know, there's never an album that's like totally worthless in any way. Or it's at least worth talking about in the context of Weezer Mm -hmm. um, and their growth as a band and as songwriters. But on the other hand, you know, it's some of the stuff that they've done isn't for me. So I just don't enjoy it the same way that I enjoyed, you know, let's be honest, Blue and Pinkerton. Right. The way that I enjoyed those two and the rest of the albums, I just don't quite enjoy the same way. But there's a lot of really great stuff on them like we're going to talk about later when we talk about a song. (laughs) Yes, I'm excited. Well, so speaking of that, are you, do you like the new Black album or how do you feel about it? I haven't gotten into it too much. It seems like another different thing for them. Like I've kind of listened to it in the background, like probably to the first like four to six songs, you know, like I haven't really like paid attention to the song titles too much. It seems like uh, they're expanding as a band as they usually do, but it it doesn't seem like a very personal album, right? And those are the one that that's the stuff that relates to me when I listen to Weezer is the more personal stuff that Rivers writes. So when it's a le- when it's the less personal stuff, I, I feel a little bit of a disconnect, even though I. I can enjoy the sound of it. It seems like they really challenge themselves as musicians on this one. And um, it doesn't like the, the guitars on a few of the songs don't sound like quote unquote Weezer guitars. Yeah. Cause like Weezer guitars do have a very specific sound and have for basically, you know, their entire career. The crunch. And there's a few places. Yeah. And, and also just like his style of playing river style of playing and the production on it does have a particular sound and the way that he writes hooks interacting, you know, going from like verse to chorus. He has a very specific thing. And it seems like this album, but, you know, each album, I think could, you could say the same thing has like a few songs that don't fit that mold. But this one from my first, my first perspective is that it's, that it's, yeah, it's, it's just kind of like, uh, just another expansion of them, like going to another place. Not what I was expecting. Yeah, me either. 
I thought it was going to be a metal album. <laughs> I know. I thought it was going to be dark. Uh, so. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like The Cure or, you know, or or like, you know, Metallica or something, you know. I thought he was going to really let like his inner metal kid out on this one. Oh, that would but, have been cool. Yeah. I keep waiting. You know, I, I always have you seen that little it's like the little like just kind of like fly on the wall documentary for Pinkerton that's online somewhere. Uh, you can probably find it on YouTube. It's like 15 minutes or something like that. 15, 20 minutes. And there's a part in it where Rivers, they're look at the studio that they're in. They're just looking at all the master tapes. And he just goes, oh, Ingve, And like he pulls like the Ingve Malmsteen master tape off the wall. Who, if you don't know, he's like this guitar player that's just like a crazy 80s hard rock metal guitar ah, player dude. He's fancy. Like one of those like guitar gods. Uh-huh. Um, like a Steve Vai or a Joe Satriani, like another one of those. And he pulls that and he's just like so enamored with the fact that he's like holding it. And I'm just <laughs> waiting for him to like just do that on an entire album of like just instrumental hard rock riffs and soloing. <laughs> I would like that too. Yeah. I think that that's something they would be really good at. Definitely going down like a funkier retro vibe on the black album and all the songs are so different it's just Mm -hmm. it's interesting i guess i mean i i think i like pacific daydream better Mm. yeah i don't know what's the last one that you or what's the last weezer album that you thought was like amazing is it pinkerton Uh, you know i don't want to like i don't want to shit on any of the newer stuff like I don't want to do that because I don't want to be that guy I don't want to be that (laughs) Weezer fan because there's so many of us out there but Blue and Pinkerton were and remain like two of my favorite albums of all time and they've never gone back and done those things again there have been a few homages to that sound um, but they've never done it again which is totally fine I don't expect bands to recreate the same album, you know, other bands that I love, you know, it's like, uh, the replacements, none of their albums sound the same as each other. Like not a single one sounds like the other one, but they're no longer an active band. So you could just kind of pick your favorite and just kind of be like, I love the replacements and not have to sit there and defend the latest album. Right. You know, and, uh, another favorite band of mine, Pearl Jam, my tastes are, don't make sense with each other, by the way. Oh, neither do mine. People, yeah. Like Pearl Jam, they've had, you know, a swath of like amazing albums and then a couple of dips and then like coming back with like, even in their late career, um, they've had great albums, but their last album, Lightning Bolt, I wasn't really in love with, but the one before that I really loved. So, you know, I don't expect bands that I love to make something for me every single time. Right. Um, I appreciate the trajectory of bands and their growth as a band. And I'm a student of that when it comes to the bands that I enjoy. So I followed Weezer a little bit, but also at the same time, you know, when it is one of the albums that I'm not as enamored with, you know, it's, I'm just like, okay, you know, that's fine. Like I'm not mad at them for it or anything. It's like, other people like it, which is great. You know, I, I think that the White Album had some really, really great stuff on it. It was probably that and Everything Will Be All Right in the End were two most consistent albums of their latter part of their career, which, you know, from 
to my ear. But even then, like I didn't sit there and like dissect either of those albums the way that I've done with Blue and Pinkerton. Yeah. Also, because they didn't come out, you know, I wasn't listening to those when I was a teenager. I was listening to those as like a middle-aged dude. So like music, you know, it needs to match your point in life too. And and their more recent stuff hasn't matched my point in life. So. Right. And I'm wondering if like they'll ever go there again. I just think that like, I don't know, depending on the artist, when you know what they're capable of, like I know what Weezer is capable of when they like really use their heart and put everything into it, like with the Mm. emotional wise, I feel like we can feel that and it comes Mm -hmm. out and that's Mm -hmm. what people love. Mm -hmm. But then again, they've always like been able to like jam out an awesome pop song and yeah, that's fun too. So it's, I don't know, they're just very rare albums and I don't know that Mm -hmm. you could ever replace that. And I don't know if that, if they hold up for somebody like a teenager today, I guess we'd have to ask the teenagers. (laughs) It's a good question. Um, you know, and it's, it's my biggest fear and, and I've heard, and I mean, it's come true many times where people respond to some of my favorite stuff and go like, oh, that's very 90s sounding. And it's like, oh, what does that mean? You know? And I think I have an idea of it, but you know, as someone who grew up in the nineties, like in the mid nineties saying something that something was very 80s sounding was almost a, uh, like that was kind of like a, uh, yeah. Like very, (laughs) it's like, oh, that sounds very 80s sounding. It's like, oh no, it's all over. Like that, that, that you can't listen to it if it's, yeah. Too much gated reverb, you know, it's like, (laughs) oh man, if they say that, then I shouldn't be listening to it kind of thing. But now with like the, with the fact that with with the spotification of listening to music, people tend to like quantify genres of bands very stringently, or but but they don't like actually subscribe to that. You know, the way that like punk rock had to be DIY, you know, kind of thing. Like people don't really quite subscribe to those things anymore. Like Fallout Boy can be punk rock alongside minor threat you know it's like they're like they're both punk rock and i like them both and it's like if you say so kid (laughs) (laughs) that's true so what are your other like what other music do you like uh i mean i don't know uh favorite bands favorite band um so i'd probably say that that mm, the replacements are my favorite band you know, nice indie rock sound that is singer songwritery sometimes, but also anthemic other times. Um, and that really fits into my groove and it kind of, you know, hits like the indie rock tropes as well. Um, and I'm like, okay, that's kind of like my wheelhouse, but also at the same time, you know, it's uh, Pearl Jam was one of the first bands that like I, I super duper loved and Weezer too, but you know, U2 was also a big band for me. And then you know, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, generally speaking, I like good rock and pop songs with guitar or piano, like kind of at its center. I like good hooks. I like good production, but I also like kind of a DIY aesthetic sometimes. So, you know, I like stuff that's a little more out there, but generally speaking, the stuff that I like has to have a hook to it, a catchiness to it. I don't really like experimental stuff or 
kind of more hard stuff or more experimental things, that mm-hmm. stuff. I like things to be like, I like experimental stuff within the context of a song structure. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a good example, but nothing comes to mind. But it's like, you know, kind of it's like, okay, we get to the bridge. And when we get to the bridge, we're going to add in, you know, this weird thing here that's influenced by the experimental stuff. But I don't necessarily want to listen to a 10-minute song of chanting in a made-up language. Right. Yeah, I can't really, I'm not, I'm never going to be into uh, like metal or Mm -hmm. screaming. Or like, yeah, screaming is, is tough sometimes unless it's like, you know, kind of like the Dave Grohl style screaming. I'm okay with. Well, that's like a scream sing, I guess you would say, but just like straight up screaming about Mm -hmm. whatever I can't, I can't get into it at all. Yeah. Not really a giant punk person. Although I don't know if you would put them in the bucket, but like, I like green day. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've never, I don't think I, anyway, I've ever heard any like sex pistols or anything, but I know they're big, like they're the, the punk band that most people would know, but I don't think I've ever heard any of their stuff. Like the sex pistols. Yeah. Uh, I know that sounds terrible. What's their they, hit? They only, they only have one album and, and you know, they've got like God save the queen, but uh-huh. you know, punk rock song. And then, cause they only have like the one album. I think that they're such a well-known punk band because they they helped define a lot of the fashion. And also they're like this unimpeachable punk band because they've never made another album. Um, they've got Nevermind the Bullocks and that's it. But, uh, oh, Anarchy in the UK, of course. I don't know why I didn't think of that. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'm the same way, though. It's like I like bands, not genres. You know, it's like, I love Pearl Jam, but I don't like grunge. Yeah. Nothing against other grunge bands, but, you know, those those kind of copycat grunge bands, you know, we're just like, okay, they sound like that, but I don't really like them. And it's like, I like, I like Green Day, but I'm not necessarily into pop punk, you know? And it's like, it, it things hit me differently at different times, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I, don't, I, I have no idea what makes something <laughs> actually speak to me. I, if I did, I'd I'd go and just listen to that, you know, <laughs> instead of having to try and discover new music all the time. Well, that wouldn't be fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we kind of touched on it, but what? How did you get into Weezer? Tell me your your first Weezer story. So, as you might imagine, um, by my age, I was a little young for the Blue Album when it first came out. Um, like I was ten. I mean, I knew Buddy Holly because it was such a huge hit and knew the video because of Windows 95. <laughs> See, I'm and a little older than you. I think I'm four years older than you. So, okay. so you're going to have this other this other experience and we can, we'll mm-hmm. probably get into it more when we talk about Maladroit. But it's yeah. very interesting because so you kind of came in at Pinkerton or um, No, not Green. even then. Like, because... You know, uh, Pinkerton, because, uh, I mean, remember, it was kind of a commercial flop. Yeah. And I was 12 when Pinkerton came out. So um, I was just starting to listen to music on my own, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like to move away from the radio a little bit. And it wasn't really until like a couple of years after that, when I was like 14, 13, 14, my middle school years, 
was when I really kind of started to become like a fan of music and finding things. And Weezer just wasn't really on the radar at that point. Like they weren't getting radio play. Um, they were kind of seen as like a little bit of, of like one hit wonders almost. So it wasn't until like, a, like until they reformed in 2000 uh, and went on the warp tour that they kind of came on my radar and then when Green came out and like the lead up to Green was kind of like everyone being like, Weezer's here, Weezer's here. And, you know, and I, and, and I was like 17 at the time. So I just kind of like picked up anything somebody told me to pick up, you know, <laughs> and it was and but but Green was a big rock album at the time. And so I picked up Green. That was probably the first one that I bought. And that was when I first started like really playing in bands and going to local shows um, so I, I grew up in very much the suburbs and so like, you know, you, you didn't see live shows. Like you had to drive 45 minutes to see a band at like, you know, like a big outdoor amphitheater. And then, you know, I'm relatively close um, right between like New York city and Philadelphia. But when I was a kid, like nobody drove me up there or anything like that. And, you know, and I didn't have a car or anything like that. So I was only exposed to kind of like the music around me. And so when I was 17, when I got my license, because that was the age in New Jersey at the time for a license, I started to like I started to go to like, you know, like the quote unquote VFW shows. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was actually a firehouse in my case. It was a rented out firehouse. <laughs> um that's but cool. like st stuff like that, those local kind of stuff. And so I started meeting these people and the things that were happening at the time was the, the indie rock that people then started like turning me onto quote unquote indie rock. But you know, it's like these, all the, these bands were being like, yeah, but don't you know about like things like pavement and uh, I'm trying to think of what else would have been like spoken about in that time. Like that kind of uh I've talked about it before on the podcast, but like that, that North, that Northwest, that Pacific Northwest scene that was bubbling up at the time and the bands that everybody was kind of like copying that sound a little bit where it wasn't, it was like soft grunge, you know, mm -hmm. like the very indie rock sound that became more prominent a, a few years later. And so green had just come out. I had green. I knew about blue. So I'm going around to these local shows and, I'm always hearing like the same thing from all these people where they're like, oh, you've got green and you've heard blue. No, what you really want to listen to is Pinkerton. That's the album. Like that is the album that Weezer is because it was such an influence at the time and an underground influence because people didn't really know about it. But, you know, all these kids at these shows were talking about it and then they were covering El Scorcho and, you know, and it's just like, what is this stuff? And so then I went and pick up, picked up Pinkerton and that kind of, and that was like 2001, like maybe like midsummer, late summer, 2001. And that was kind of like when like the, the Weezer Uber fandom started okay. where it was like, oh, blue and Pinkerton are like these amazing pieces of art that I have to listen to and, <laughs> you know, and like really dive into and like understand. And of course this is at the same time that, Green is getting a bit of backlash from those same people mm -hmm. who were telling me, like, you have to listen to Pinkerton. And then they were going, like, Green is crappy, you know? And and it was a it was an interesting and weird time to be a Weezer fan. Or to be a new Weezer fan. 
Yeah, but you know, it, it didn't didn't stop me from enjoying it. And you know, of course, then I started going to like the Weezer dot com boards and reading the Carl's Corner like stuff on the website and all that stuff. So you know, that's when I got like really into all of that kind of stuff. That's really cool. There wasn't a particular person or. Did you, do you remember like your first Weezer show? Did you start going to like, did you see Weezer in concert back then? Yes, I went to, uh, actually I looked it up and it's on the device that I'm talking to you through. So I can't go and look at it, but it was at a, the Continental Airlines Arena. Um, that's part of the Meadowlands in New Jersey. So like next to it is where like Giant Stadium was. It was an arena. It was February of 2002. Me and a few friends, you know, my girlfriend at the time, um, a buddy of mine and another friend, and I think his girlfriend too. Like we all went up in his like parents' minivan. Awesome. Um, he drove us up. It was funny because that was right when like Easy Pass started, and he didn't he didn't know what Easy Pass was, <laughs> and he drove through the Easy Pass lane, and we're like, dude, you just drove through Easy Pass. You don't have Easy Pass. And he's like, no, that's the express lane. And we were like, sure. And he had to pay like an eighty dollar ticket or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I know what um, I'm doing. Not really. Yeah. But all the way up, all we did was listen to a friend of mine. He had like an early MP3 player, at, which, you know, held like less than like 20 songs. And he just put on like blue and then a bunch of B-sides and stuff to fill it out. And then we just listened to that all the way up and all the way back from the show. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, but that was, uh, to give context for that time period, that was... um they had just brought back the the flying W on the stage and Rivers had the beard and the vest, the puffy vest. Wow, yeah. That was that phase. Um, and that was, I, I do believe that was Scott's first tour with them. Oh, cool. Because I think they had booked it with Mikey supposed to be there and he like just, and he had did his disappearing act. Yeah. And so Scott was was on tour with them for that one. So were you surprised to see him up there or did you just like not even know? I had known about like kind of all of the drama of it. Because I think at that point they were, they yeah, they had recorded Maladroit at that point, but it hadn't come out yet. And I'm trying to think when the, when, because a bunch of the stuff was put up on the website just as MP3s that you could download. Mm -hmm. So I had listened to probably about half the album at that point, even though it was like still like four or five months away from... The album coming out. So was it a good show? Uh, it was okay. <laughs> um, uh, we were pretty far away, um, which I didn't really enjoy. It was my first time at like a show of that size. And the openers were Ozma and Saves the Day, who were both very good. But the weird thing was like, I think like Ozma started at like seven, played for half an hour. And then at like 7.45, Saves the Day came out and played to 8.30. And then Weezer didn't come out until 9.45. Whoa. Like it was a huge gap between the bands. And I think what it, I, I think I know the reason because I was looking at setlist.com today to go and find that set list uh -huh. to see if they played Dope Nose, which they did um, <laughs> as the third song. And I think the reason why was, was because uh, Taking Back Sunday was also on that tour but they didn't play that show that night. So I think they were supposed to have a set at that time. And they just, so Weezer still just came out at the same time that they normally would have. They were like, um, was, we're not supposed to go on until 9.45. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't play a very long set, you know, and it, it was, uh, 
and and I was a huge Pearl Jam fan at the time. So like I was used to like these like two and a half hour long shows. Right. <laughs> of like just like these huge every single night doing like 20 some odd songs. And they did like a 17 song set. It was pretty standard. They only did one song off of Pinkerton. And I remember being a little disappointed at that because that was the first tour that they started to kind of bring some of the Pinkerton stuff back in. Because mm-hmm. um, I think like all throughout like 2000 and 2001, they weren't playing any Pinkerton. Yeah, they were like disgusted by it. Yeah, and they and uh, Setlist FM said that it was uh, Tired of Sex. They played Tired of Sex that night. Mm-hmm. But they had been playing like Why Bother and um, a few other songs off of Pinkerton. <laughs> El Scorcho probably. Yeah, but we didn't get one of those that night. So it was it was kind of, you know, they, they played a whole bunch of blue. They played a lot of Maladroit, actually, and a bunch of green as well. You know, oh, cool. so it was pretty good. But I haven't been I haven't been back to see them. <laughs> really? Not since yeah. then? Well, because they always play such huge shows and yeah. I don't like big shows. Um, I don't like going to like arenas and stadiums and festivals like I kind of find those those I don't like being like super far away from the stage. I like more smaller club club size stuff. So um, they actually did play a club. Um, they played like a smaller venue, the Electric Factory in Philly, like around like 06, I think, or 05 that I bought tickets for, but then ended up not being able to go to. Oh, so, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, This last tour has been really, really good. And they are still like, they're just playing the hits. So Mm -hmm. I think it's got something for everybody. Yeah. Well, they've, they've got so many albums now, you know, and it's like, and they've got like a hit song on mostly all of them. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I mean, they're lucky. That's so, Mm -hmm. so do you remember anything special they did at the show? Like did Rivers do anything stupid or jerky or... (laughs) No, he didn't. He was like, he was, and, and I went in preparing for that. Cause that was the tour that he was kind of known for that, uh-huh. like bearded rivers. Um, you know, that was the time period where he gave the infamous quote unquote, little bitches interview where he called the fans, little bitches. It was like guitar world or guitar player magazine or something mm-hmm. like that. Well, they deserved I, it. <laughs> it. Well, that was at the time that was like when he was getting a lot of flack on the message boards and before all of us before any of us really understood what trolling was, you know, and that even people who love what you're doing will be shitty to you on the internet. Right. It's not Um, cool. Yeah. And so like he, he was probably warranted in that, but uh, I think that he was in a very, you know, he wasn't really sure. He was like, wait, like people do love Pinkerton. I'm confused, you know? And I think that that really threw him for a loop, Uh, but he didn't do anything. It was a, it was, honestly, it was a pretty unmemorable show, mm-hmm. I have to say. Unfortunately. Like, yeah, like they weren't very energized. Like they, they just kind of played the songs. Yeah. And, <sighs> and that was also the time period. And I know they've gone back and forth on this where they were using the um, nothing but emulation for the guitars. So they had no amps on stage, nothing. Like it was all just into a computer and then out through the PA. Weird. You know, yeah, so the stage was very bare. You know, it's this huge stage with just, like, the four of them. And, like, they, they weren't doing any, like, keyboard stuff. There were no special guests. It, so it was just, like, the four of them spread out and, you know, the big Weezer W behind them. And that was pretty much it, you know? And then they just played. Nothing nothing really too spectacular. 
Well, I mean, at least you had an okay time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we and you know, we were we were we were all peak Weezer fans at that point. So we were just like, that was amazing. Oh yeah. I'm sure. You know, and I, and I hadn't been to a ton of large shows. So I was just kind of like, maybe that's how it is. It's you know, just so. supposed to be distant. Yeah. I don't know. So can you even say that you have a favorite album or would it just be blue and blue and Pinkerton? Yeah. I'd probably say Pinkerton is, is the album for me. Um, that's the one that I, that I, go back to the most along with blue like i like when the when the blue what's that called the uh the deluxe edition came out mm-hmm. like i i really really enjoyed having all those b-sides in one spot and the what's it called like the kitchen tapes yes um the few songs from the kitchen tapes i was like oh man like that's cool i can like get like this early stuff and i and, and that kind of lived in my car for a real long time so yeah so blue like kind of made a special place in my heart again, you know, like years later. <laughs> I mean, it's all about Jamie and Suzanne and you yeah. give your love to me softly and all Michael and Carly, all of those are just uh-huh. like they're so good. Yeah. I have a friend named Jamie who uh I was in a band with at the time like that I was listening to all that and every time I called her, she was one of those people cuz this is like like 2007 I'm thinking. She's one of those people that like she just never answered her phone, but I was still stuck in like I make phone calls, not texts <laughs> mindset, which, you know, has since changed in the last like 12 years. But every time I called her, it went to voicemail and she had her and her sister singing Jamie, you know, the the, the part about uh, picking up the phone, you know. <laughs> Uh, and that, and they kind of like changed it. So it's like, you know, and then she like changed it to be like a standard like voicemail thing where it's like, I'll return your call and stuff like that. So that's yeah. really cute and clever. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. We should bring back the musical voicemail <laughs> message. <laughs> Instead of just, you have reached. Yeah. Number, number, number. <laughs> or like, it's pretty, like people just talk now, but I mean, mm-hmm. it used to be like a whole production to like, yeah you'd have to line up the cue up the music and then what are we going to say and like do you just want the music to play and then you say <laughs> leave a message or you know <laughs> you've reached the blah blah family and i don't know it was a thing yeah yeah definitely not a thing anymore i don't know maybe the kids do it i don't know i i have no idea what the kids do nowadays i know <laughs> Kids. I'll, I'll, I've got a I've got a niece and a nephew, and but they're still too young. So you know, like in another, like ten years or so, like seven to ten years when they're teenagers, like then I can find out what the kids are into again. <laughs> if they're making <laughs> musical voicemail message, yeah, things. Well, at that point, they're just going to be creating like three dimensional, you know, projections of each other. That's yes. what they'll be doing. Holograms. Yeah, so what is your favorite, your ultimate favorite Weezer song? It's a hard one to say, but if I had to pick one, it was the one that we, the, the other one that we're not talking about today, <laughs> which would be now, and now I'm blanking, oh, why bother? <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I think that just Pickerton overall is like the album. Like I said earlier, I tend to listen to stuff as albums, as like a single piece of a collection of music. And then... That song at that point in the album just always stands out. That's where like that album takes off for me. The first three songs are all good. And then we get to Why Bother? And then all of a sudden the album like coheres, you know, from Why Bother into uh, Across the Sea, 
you know, and then all of a sudden, like the the whole concept of the album really comes together. And, and for me, you know, like that the the whole I don't know as a as a hormonal teenager <laughs> listening to Weezer and just going like you know like just like the fact that he spoke so plainly about masturbation in the middle of a song, <laughs> I was like, what? Um, which speaking of the kids these days, the kids these <laughs> days like they could they. Masturbation is like a, like a main plot point of every TV show and movie out there, you know. Thanks, American Pie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but now it like, or but back then it was still a little bit like like, oh, you masturbate, you know, like when I was oh, in middle yeah. school, it's like, do you masturbate? It's like, no, do you? No, you know, it's like <laughs> we were doing that to each other. Yeah, and so like the fact, and, and the fact that he was just like, well, you know, it's like I'd rather not try. I'd rather just be by myself <laughs> instead of waste time on a relationship. You know, I thought that was a really cool and interesting idea because uh, I was definitely very, very, I don't want to say desperate, but I was, I, I very much wanted to find a meaningful romantic relationship. And when you're 17, that's like next to impossible. Right. So, you know, and, and it took me until, you know, 10 years later when when my wife and I started dating to actually kind of, you know, find that kind of connection. Yeah. And the fact of going from like person to person, you know, I was like, I was like, yeah, I get that, you know? And it's like, why, why even bother when, you know, it's it's such a hard thing to navigate. Why even bother doing it? Yeah. Also the song rocks. Or you or it's just like, I don't want to get hurt. So I'm not even gonna mm-hmm. like go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the idea of asking even, you know, <laughs> or of trying, you know, uh, it's you can't quit if you never try. Yes, and, such uh, a dad thing yeah. to say. I know it is. It really is. <laughs> and actually, especially since like thinking back to that time, I was, you know, like I was in a relationship with with a, a relatively my first like really long relationship um, at the end of high school, which was like over a year, you know. And I'm still friends with her today, so it's so it's totally cool. Um, oh, shout but, out, you know what? Shout out, <laughs> shout out to Sheila, um, <laughs> Sheila, uh, who you know we we were together, and she loved she loves Weezer too, and she loved Weezer back then too. Like she, I think back then she would have said that Weezer was her favorite band. So I don't know about now; I'd have to ask her. <laughs> but you know, just like navigating first loves and stuff, you know, it's like this is hard and difficult and weird. And it was nice that there was an album of music that kind of was like, yeah, this is all hard and difficult and weird. And you're going to feel weird things that aren't healthy and totally just acknowledges it. Like, right. Put it on front street. Yeah. You know, I think it'd be really, really bad if I was like my age and heard this for the first time and was like, I love this. (laughs) I think that I, that would be kind of a little bit unhealthy if that matched my emotional state. <laughs> it's definitely a point of view that I think you have to appreciate at that age or a certain age yeah. around there. Yeah, and I'm not sure. And I'm, I'm not saying everybody has it when they're 17. Some people probably have it in their 20s. Like Early I feel like Rivers went 20, through it yeah. in his mm-hmm. 20s. Yeah. Well, other than the emotional ties, what is it about, you know, why bother that you that you like the part where he screams <laughs> <laughs> me too <laughs> uh, the guitar solo 
it's a great guitar solo. Like I'm pretty sure that's Rivers, not Brian, on that guitar solo. And he he like he just kind of lets it rip, um, which was something that he didn't quite that, that he didn't do quite as often early on. And he is a guitar player who can let it rip, mm-hmm. and you know, but it's still a short guitar solo. Um, it's not like he he spends like three minutes. You know, it's not Stairway to Heaven where it's just nothing but guitar <laughs> solo in the middle. It's a melodic guitar solo, but it also pulls the melody that has been established in the song other places. Love that at the end of that instrumental section, the way that uh, Matt Sharp's bass like goes up really high and it's super crunchy and distorted. And like, you know, it's almost like a part like you sing along to the bass, yeah. you know, yeah. at the end. like And well, uh, there is there's like the humming, I think, that's in there, too. So uh, that's in the guitar solo, I think. Hmm. I think there I think there's somebody humming along with what's being played. I'd have to revisit that. Yeah, I covered that song a bunch of times, like back in the day, um, and it was always a fun one to play. It's a very cool, energetic riff, and, and like creative, interesting, fun. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> For more on why bother, go ahead and listen to VR Weezer. I think it's episode sixteen, which is why oh. I didn't remember because it's been <laughs> a really long time since. Uh, mm-hmm. We did it. I was like, yeah, let's do Why Bother. That's great. And then um, I was like, oh, I've already done that. I just mm. forgot because it was a totally long cool. time ago. I'm sure you do that yeah. too, right? I mean, after uh, five years, you probably have a million gajillion. <laughs> we have a few where it's just like, have we done, like, it, it's like, do we, has it been long enough that we can do another one by the same artist? You know, mm-hmm. like that's basically because we don't want to keep hitting the same artist over and over again. Uh, right. Which we still do anyway. And people are like, how can you, it's like, you've done two Foo Fighters, but you haven't done this. And it's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's kind of my podcast and I can kind of do whatever yeah, I want. Yeah. Um, There's no rhyme or reason to our order of choosing things. You know, it's, it's just kind of like, it happens when it happens. Well, and like, you might be in a mood for something too, or you might like yeah. be into it right then or, you know. Exactly. Sometimes it's just like, We've just done three weeks of like something pretty new to me. I'd like to do something I'm comfortable with for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks, you know? Yeah. And so we we purposely pick stuff that we're a little more familiar with. You know, it happens. Yeah. But yeah, there's really, there's really no, there's no like preset logic to it. It's more of just like an in the moment logic. Which is cool. Tell us about your band fake pockets and there is a contest going on of some sorts yes so i'm in a band called fake pockets we have been together for less than a year now but it came out of the ashes of our singer's old band um she was in a band called fun while you wait which was a pretty cool band and then when they broke up I kind of like, like I immediately just like sent her a message being like, Hey Dev, you need anyone in your new band? (laughs) And then eventually, you know, we, we started playing stuff and, um, we have a couple of singles available on Spotify. Mm. I don't know. I I don't know what genre we'd call ourselves. We're like, you know, like we're like a pop rock, indie rock, indie pop band, two guitars, bass and drums. And, And our songs are very much, you know, like in the, three minute pop song style of, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, guitar, solo, chorus. But yeah, uh, all of our stuff, fake pockets, band, I think, 
um, is where you find that stuff. And we just did, just this past week, we did a video for the Tiny Desk, NPR's Tiny Desk contest, um, which is they have the Tiny Desk concert series. Um, and then every year they run a contest where you do a video of yourself, your band, performing with a desk in the shot, uh, live usually. Um, and, and then you enter the contest and then if you win, you get to play an actual tiny desk concert. So, Um, but even, but even when you don't win, it's still kind of fun to like make a video, like get creative and have fun doing the video. Ours was funny because we actually did it. We share a drummer with another band. Uh He's in two bands. He like, so our drummer is also in a ball, also in a band called we're ghosts now. Very very cool rocking band, a little heavier than us, a little riffier, but he's in that band. And so they were going to do it. And they were like, hey, on Monday, we're going to do a tiny desk. You know, we're going to film it with our friend. Bill, do you want to come in and and do the do the sound for it? And I was like, yeah, totally. So, you know, I brought my equipment over there and we set things up. And and uh, and like the day before Fake Pockets was having rehearsal and we were talking about it and uh and Devin, our singer, was just like, hey, like when you guys are done, can we just like walk in and pick up everything and just also do one for us? And so uh, we did one and we kind of just like redressed the set a little bit, you know, like <laughs> to um, mix it up. And, so it's not the exact same. Yeah. yeah. Background. Yeah. We, we, we put up some tapestries. Um, we put different stuff on the desk because you have to have a desk in the shot. And so we had like a. Uh, we had like a little sign that said fake pockets on it and an owl statue and it was a lot of fun. I thought you were going to say that you made a giant pocket and then <laughs> sewed it up and got inside. That would be inside. next year's video. No. <laughs> yeah. That would be next year's video, I think. Uh, it's, uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. We did a song of ours uh, called Nice Enough, which doesn't exist in the world yet. Like, uh, like it hasn't been released out there so we but it's one of our favorite songs i think i think it's one of one of our best songs actually and so it's uh it it was a lot of fun to do that and probably people can find it on youtube whenever this is out look for fake pockets nice enough if you want to hear a cool rock song i am following you on spotify oh okay now it'll be only on youtube i i do believe but oh oh the song I'm trying to think. I think that's the song that Devin said is about like about like uh, about going on Tinder dates. <laughs> oh gosh, then I can only imagine. <laughs> about how it's like it's it's always nice enough, but it's never you know the right it's one. Never it, yeah, yeah. Speaking of you know like anxiety songs about relationships not <laughs> not working and the the issues of dating. Nice enough is a song just like that. I thank the Lord every day that I don't have to date anymore. I am uh-huh. so glad because it was hard enough when, I mean, you could probably appreciate this. When we were younger, it was hard enough. I can't imagine all of this pressure to be a certain way and the swiping and the just like, oh yeah, it's just. I did, I did a little bit of online dating when I was like. When I was like, so probably, yeah, like around like 2009, 2010, just when it started to become like a little more normalized Mm -hmm. and I did it a little bit and I went out on a bunch of dates and I didn't go on a single second date. Yeah, me either. Every time, this is how I've always described it. It was like going on a job interview 
for a job that I wasn't even sure I wanted. Yeah. Like that's how that's how it felt. It was always like, tell me about where you're from and what you do and what you like and you know your personality and what you're gonna bring to me to make me, you know, and I, and I was always just like, this is the worst. So, and I always <laughs> wanted to be like, hey, can we just like hang out a few times over the course of a few weeks and just see if we get along as people? But they were always like, no. Because if I tell you you can have a second date, then you know you're gonna you're gonna think that it's something. And I'm like, I'm fine with it being just friends, you know. Like, hence the reason why I ended up, you know, like my wife Maureen. We knew each other. We were friends for eight years before we started dating, um, and then we started dating. And then it was like, oh yeah, now that we have this great foundation of friendship, we can actually decide whether or not, you know, romantically it's going to work. And it did. <laughs> Well, that, yeah, that's awesome. I feel like when you're a friend that long, usually you stay in the friend zone. And then once you try to like go romantic, um, it's either uh-huh. like awesome. It could end up like you guys perfect and married, or it could be like, all right, well that's done. Like now we're, <laughs> yeah, because then it's weird. Well, like you can't go back to being friends again. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I've never tried, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it was, uh, you know, when, when we first met, like we were part of like the same friend group and I was dating someone. And then a few, a few years later when I wasn't dating someone, she was dating someone. And so we never just like thought about each other as like a romantic, you know, interest. And then at the point that we were both single, we were like, oh yeah, we, we can think about each other romantically. Let's, oh, I do have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, maybe that's just how it was meant to be anyways, yeah. you know, cause you weren't ready for getting married yet. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, definitely, you know, it was the, both of us had like our, our practice relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) before this one where we had like adult ish relationships, you know, and then was it two, was it two real ones before her? Cause I, I think it's always the third one. Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I guess I'd have to ask her whether or not. I don't think she had like very long term rela- relationships prior. It has to, to be two one. loves, two loves, oh, and then okay. your third love is like the one. Okay, you you know that that kind of makes sense because you know I had like my my high school love, and then I had my college love, and that was like all through college, and then after college we broke up a little bit after that. And then Maureen was kind of like the third See? like real long-term big relationship. So yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, usually that's what it ends up being unless you're one of those like rare instances of like high school sweethearts or... Yeah. Um, and it actually works out. Yeah. <laughs> which it does. Like it's so weird. But usually I, I think everybody takes a second to kind of figure out like what do you love about other people and what... And who do you want to be, which is like a big change. Like you're like, I don't know. I don't know why this turned into relationship podcast with Rachel and Bill, but <laughs> it's usually a big change from who you are when you're young to the person that you are when you get married. It's just like totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, different. I'm definitely better at being in a relationship now <laughs> than I was like when I was a teenager and even when I was in college, you know, it was kind of like I had girlfriends in like middle school and earlier in high school, but they were all like a few months, you know, it was like more like dating. Right. Like you had to like finger quotes. You (laughs) thought you had to do stuff 
for because right. everyone else's or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. And then kind of like that that relationship with shout out to Sheila once again, who <laughs> I'm still friends with. And she's an awesome person. And we had like a more serious dating relationship, you know, kind of like a, you know, the one where we were like, I love you, you know, saying I love you to each other and like being like, oh, and this is away from our parents, you know, driving us to, you know, the movie theater or something. We, because we, we had a life outside of our family's homes. So, you know, and That's then. adorable. Yeah. <laughs> we were adorable. But then, you know, and of course that was like the first huge heartbreak too. You know, yeah. that was that was after breaking up and I'm putting on Pinkerton and I'm just like, ah, you know, and then I'm really screaming along with that one. <laughs> yeah. Um at that point and then college, you know, finding someone who is more like we were we were very compatible on the same page as far as like you know, where we were in our lives, but, you know, being 19 and being 25, as we learned, is two very different things. And so it was like, oh, well, now the next step in our lives, we no longer want the same things, but we learned how to be in a, in a responsible, communicative relationship with each other. You know, we made mistakes with each other, but then we learned how to do it the right way. And we brought that to our to our next relationships. Cause that girlfriend who does not still talk to me, um, <laughs> she, uh, her next relationship, she, she married that person too. I wonder if yeah. he was the third. Um, yeah, he was the third for her. <laughs> Crazy. Um, yeah. And I guess, I mean, I kind of, I had a, I had a relationship between, but that was just like a few months. I don't know if that can, it wasn't like I didn't double down on that one. I wasn't like, Oh, this is, this is a, you know, no, real, you were just, meaningful thing filling time until you found the right one yeah yeah because like uh, i'm assuming you don't mean just like third overall relationship you mean third serious relationship yeah like yeah your heart was gonna explode when you broke up and it took a yeah, long time yeah. to break up and you didn't yes. really want to but you did but you had to and like that yeah. like like i can't believe this is happening mm-hmm even if it's mutual, like it's just. Yeah. Yeah. It was that, that first relationship, you know, was like two months of being like, this is not really working. We should probably break up, but we were pretending. And then that, that the college relationship, which was like six years. Yeah. Like it was like a six year relationship. That was like a year of like pretending, you know, of being like, no, we're fine. We're good. Mm -hmm. You know? And it's like, and not real. And then that was like both of us kind of having that conversation of going like, no, neither one of us is actually happy. So we should probably break this up. And it, it was, it was a responsible breakup, but you know, but she still doesn't talk to me. <laughs> eh, I mean, it sometimes it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. I don't know. So Weezer. Yes. All right. Well, that is it. Let's take a quick break and then we will come back and say goodbye to everyone. Okay.
right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed today's show. What's next? Episode 46, where Bill and I will do song discussion on Maladroit's Dope Nose. I don't know why I forgot that randomly. It's right there in front of my face. Where where can the people find the great albums and fake pockets on uh, the social media? Uh, social media, everything is at the great albums for Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com slash the great albums. And you can find everything together in one place at the great albums.com. Um, and for fake pockets, everything is fake pockets band. So it's at fake pockets band for Twitter and Instagram, fake pockets band.com and links to our music. You can find us on Spotify, you can find the great albums there too, um, as well as on all the places you find podcasts. You know, uh, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify and I don't know what it, whatever you're listening to a podcast on. Yes, you can find us. Um, and Fake Pockets, we're on Spotify and uh, look for our video on YouTube uh, for a song called "Nice Enough," which is our entry into the Tiny Desk Concert Contest. And we'll put that on our on our Facebook when we get it. And hopefully by the time that this comes out, it'll be in the, the show notes. So you can just click it right now. You can find We Are Weezer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at We Are Weezer. And we have a website, www.wearweezer.com. You can email us at weareweezerforever at gmail.com. We're on everything too. Go ahead and give us a five-star review on something please thank you brian for the sound thank you so much bill for the lovely interview and thank you for uh, having it it was fun and we'll see everybody next week adios We are Weezer, we are Weezer, we are Weezer, and I love you.